What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. This weekend at Augusta, it's the Masters. And with 50% off a now sports membership, you can catch every, 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 and every. Watch all four days of the Masters live with 50% off a now sports membership for three months, bringing you all 11 Sky Sports channels. Join in at nowtv.com. 18 plus, streamed via internet. Offer ends 2nd of May. Standard pricing after three months. Hello and welcome to Pod Zone Country, the Yorkshire Post's political podcast. I'm Jerry Scott, the Yorkshire Post Westminster correspondent, and I'm back in our offices in the Houses of Parliament after spending six weeks in Yorkshire on the election campaign. Today, I'm joined by one of our new MPs, Alexander Stafford, new Conservative MP for Rother Valley, and also another Alex, Alex Sobel from Leeds Northwest, who increased his majority at the election, going against the tide of Labour losses across the region. I am joined by Alexander Stafford, who is the new Conservative MP for Rother Valley. Hi. Hi there. How are you doing? Great, thanks. It's been a wonderful first few days here. Yeah, how's it been? Oh, it's been amazing. It's been such a great atmosphere here. We've got a huge majority now and it can deliver for people of Rother Valley. It's going to be amazing. Absolutely. Now, it was a bit of a, well, not surprise, was it, in Rother Valley? But, you know, it was a former Labour seat. You've gained it for the Tories. What was the atmosphere like on election night? Oh, for, well, for the Conservatives, obviously electric, as I'm sure you can imagine. There's a seat which has been held for 101 years by Labour. 101, the longest continually held seat from Labour in the entire country. You've done all right then. Yeah, it's been, it's been great. But as you said, it wasn't too much of a surprise. We were pleasantly surprised, mm. but knocking on the doors, I mean, the reception I got from residents was unbelievable. It was amazing. Lifelong Labour voters saying they've never voted Conservative before, but they will this time. They were sick and tired of being taken for granted by Labour. And it was again and again and again. We had posters up across constituency from Maltby to Dinnington. And, well, Labour just seemed to have neglected their core, core vote. And people were so angry and let down by uh, Labour across the board, both Jeremy Corbyn, both locally, nationally, they really wanted a change. And that really came through on the doorsteps. Absolutely. And so how much of a feel on the night did you get for what was happening nationally? Or were you kind of concentrated, you know, on your on your little bubble? Well, I must say, we I, after, after I was campaigning for the day, we finished about 9.15, 9.30, knocking up doors, uh, went back to my, uh, my, my, uh, my room to get a shower, get ready. And we watched the exit poll come in. And yes. when the exit poll totally came, I must say. Jubilation. Uh, well, I indeed. <laughs> I don't think, frankly, any of us could believe it. It was so much better than our expectations. Yes. We were looking, we, we were hopeful that we'd get a majority, but... We were so surprised when we got that. And obviously, that meant uh, we, we, we hoped that would play well for Rother Valley. But you can never tell because there are lots of quirks, I'm sure, with some seats which only just uh, were taken by the Conservatives Absolutely. and some which weren't. So there's a lot of different quirks in it. So we were we were optimistic when we got to the count, but you can't take things for granted. And then, so I arrived with my wife about an uh, hour or so into the count, mm-hmm. the time of washing stuff, and they recommended Joe come straight away. And the first thing I noticed around the Rother Valley selections, first of all, was there were no Labour people. Uh-huh. They weren't looking at the votes. They weren't scrutinising, which to me sends a huge sign that they've almost given up. They, they, they weren't like fighting for every vote. Like they were in Rotherham. And, like, the, the people around the Labour Party around Rotherham, see, they were, they were, they were scrutinising every single vote, <laughs> capturing which in itself was also surprising. So and then when we started looking at the votes and we did our, our tallying as they came through, we were just astounded by the areas we were winning. We were, we were winning our best areas like emphatically and the areas which don't normally vote conservative we were winning boxes across Maltby Dinnington it was just 
unbelievable. And then when they started counting them in the blocks, we saw when they started double packing some of the boxes for us, uh, for myself, I thought that was well. That gave a, a quite a good sign. And then when we saw the various swings, like Blythe Valley and across the country, the huge swings happening, we were very pleased. Obviously, the actual scale of the victory we're very pleased with. There's a 10.4% swing uh, in Rother Valley, which is one of the highest in the country. Wow. So very good, going from a, a 4,000 lead majority to over 6,000 conservative majority. But with that majority comes a lot of responsibility. Sure. A lot of people have lent me their vote for the first time, clearly. A lot of people have given me the great opportunity and chance to represent them. And it's up to me now and the Conservatives, actually, to actually repay that debt. And it is a debt. There's no such thing as a safe vote. There's no such thing as somebody's vote or community. It's like, we're going to lend you the vote for this chance. What can you do for us? How can you help our community? Yeah. So it's a great responsibility. And one I will not forget, it's very important not to take people for granted and fight for every single vote and ultimately for the communities I represent. Yeah. So... You know, that's not just a responsibility for you, as you say, that's a responsibility across the country. But for the sake of our podcast, you know, across Yorkshire, what can you and your Conservative colleagues in Yorkshire do to make sure you do get that vote in five years' time? Well, make sure, first of all, is represent the people. That's the most important thing and not take people for granted. As I said before, the feeling was Labour had controlled many of these areas for so long took the areas for granted. So it's about working with myself, with other Conservative MPs to get a better deal for Yorkshire, best deal for South Yorkshire, even better deal for Rother Valley, mm-hmm. and actually fight for that. And, we're, and work together. As uh, as you may know, we had a meeting with Northern Conservative MPs only two days ago, so it was one of the first things I played, let's get together, let's work as a pack, get a better deal for the North of England, make sure our voices are heard. I had a meeting with uh, Sajid Javid, the Chancellor, on Tuesday morning, once again, emphasise the fact that Rother Valley and Yorkshire needs to have a better deal, more funding. And all again and again, the senior ministers are so receptive to that. And that is great. And that's what I'll continue to do. Make sure our voices are not heard. Working together across uh, uh, South, Yorkshire, uh, South Yorkshire and Yorkshire the Conservatives, but also work with other Yorkshire members, whether Labour as well. We can't do this alone. No. And actually they're working together to represent people. But I can never forget that it was the people of Olive Valley that elected me and I need to represent them. I will. Absolutely. I suppose on the flip side of that, you know, you guys did so well. And there's no denying that. But what, what, in your opinion, did Labour do wrong? Why, why have people turned away from Labour in Yorkshire? It was a mixture of reasons, clearly. I go back to just not being listened to and taken for granted. That is the ultimate thing, even more so than Brexit. Brexit clearly was the, almost a straw that broke the camel's back when it came to the last indignation, like Rother Valley voted 67% uh, leave, yet Labour wanted to have another referendum. Mm-hmm. And people just, all right... This is just another example where our voices and our votes have been taken for granted. And also Corbyn. Corbyn did not speak to uh, the people at the doorstep. He I heard not, that a lot. He did not represent their, their, their working views, their aspirational views, their family views, their, their, their life views. It wasn't... Labour seems to have deserted the working person. It's no longer the party of the aspirational working person. And again and again, people are seeing the Conservatives provide that aspiration. And the Conservatives provide that. It doesn't matter where or what your background is, where you're from. If you work hard, good for your values, you can make it. And that is something we need to show across the next five years that we can do for people. Absolutely. Now, I know you're very busy, so I am going to let you go in just a second. But before I do, can you just tell me what you're hoping to see happen in 2020? You know, you're here now. You can hit the ground running. What are your hopes and expectations for 2020? For 2020? Well, first of all, we're going to get Brexit done. I know mm-hmm. it is a border. We cracked on that today. We're voting <laughs> that later on. Yep. Exactly. But it's important. People yeah. want to get it done. It's gone on for three and a half years. It may be a, a joke and a cliche for some people, but people are sick and tired of it. Yeah. Wars have lasted longer than getting through leaving a trade block. And that is great. And we're going to have a new and better trade deal by the end of 2020. I want more and better investment into uh, Roller Valley. We need to address big issues such as fracking. There's obviously fracking going on in uh, South of constituency, which I'm completely against. I'm going to fight against that. HS2 obviously is a hot potato in Roller Valley. And I, even today, I, uh, before this, I had a meeting with other 
conservative MPs against HS2, and we're going to have a fight fight HS2 mm-hmm. all the way, make sure if it goes through, it's better and improved and not effective for the Valley. Mm-hmm. And there's clearly a huge caucus of conservatives now who think this is a huge waste of money and that money could be and should be used for better ways. Mm-hmm. So that's a big thing on my plate. But more other, other things, such as connecting local communities, the bus services uh, in Roller Valley are not good enough. It can take a couple of hours to drive a 20-minute journey of where the buses are going, and the buses only come every hour or so. So you have better connectivity with buses, better businesses. We need to revamp some of our high streets, Maltby, Dinnington, great opportunities, great uh, businesses there, but we need to actually give them the, sort of, the lift they need to go and fight better and have better local economies. Brilliant. Thank you. Well, I'll let you get on, so I know you've got loads of people to meet. Yeah, thanks very much for your time. I'm here with Alex Sable, who is the Labour MP for Leeds Northwest. Thanks for joining us, Alex. Uh, thanks a lot, Jerry. And so I'd like to start by just talking about the election, because we're, what, all just over a week past as we're recording. Mm. So things have settled down a little bit. And for you, you kind of bucked the trend of the night for Labour, didn't you? Tell us what happened for you. I think, first of all, my constituency isn't typical uh, in, in a lot of ways. Um, but I think there's, there's a number of different stories. So one, uh, my election campaign started on the 9th of June 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, very early, um, I decided what I wanted to do locally, how I, from a both practical and principal point of view, would take on national issues. And I kept that for the entirety um, of my time and communicated that very strongly to constituents. I worked very hard. I undertook more surgeries, did more casework than any previous MP worked in the community. Um, I think all of that helps. But also we had a very high Liberal Democrat vote with my predecessor, Liberal Democrat. The Liberal Democrats didn't do any of that. They um, brought a candidate in from outside the area mm-hmm. who just ran a very negative campaign against me. So his whole campaign was um, saying that I was absent, I was ineffective, I was... Um, you know, basically a, a, a terrible MP. Which is exactly the opposite of what you've just said. Yeah. You know, saying you're absent, if you're increasing casework, increasing what you're doing in the community, yeah. it's completely wrong, isn't it? And, and I think everybody in the constituency knew that. And so he, his pitch was wrong uh, and and it was seen through and his vote collapsed. And his vote collapsed, or the Liberal Democrat vote collapsed partly to me, but also partly the Conservatives. And so now mm-hmm. it's a seat that's going to be contested in future between Labour and the Conservatives. Ooh. Uh, not between Labour and the Liberal Democrats. Um, and so, in some ways, it is, isn't that dissimilar to other parts of the country. Sure. The Conservative vote increased. My There was a swing to the Conservatives. What was unusual was also an increase in the Labour vote. Yeah, so what did your yeah. majority, what was your majority this time round? Um, it, it's now 10,749. And that's up, isn't it? Yeah, from 4,224, so it's two and a half times, basically. I mean, that's that, that's really impressive. And you put that down to your kind of grassroots work, do you? I think in, in part that is definitely true. Um, but I also think that, that the Liberal Democrats didn't help themselves with their own campaign. Sure. So when we look... But your result, that's obviously great for you. But nationally, things didn't go so well for Labour, unfortunately, no. and in Yorkshire as well. What what do you think caused that? It's, it was a terrible night. Um, I think there are, there is, there are, I think there are six reasons mm-hmm. why Labour lost. So it's not simple. And a lot of people actually are coming out with really knee-jerk, simple uh, answers. And there aren't knee-jerk simple answers. it's not simple, is no, it? No, it's not simple. It's not simple. Um the, the the first reason actually isn't recent and isn't the fault of any any Labour leader individually or or, or Labour nationally mm-hmm. at any one time, but over the last forty years really, that the fact that um, 
that our towns, our northern and midlands towns, and in Scotland and in Wales, and in other, certain other parts of the country, in the southwest, for instance, um, used to have industries, big industries that lots of people were employed in. And those jobs were generally, although tough jobs, hard jobs, those were jobs you could get when you left school, mm. got an apprenticeship, took the job, you knew there was a job for life, you knew you'd get a pension, you knew the pay would be fair, although maybe not great, you knew the potential progression. But now, those same towns, um, those jobs don't exist and the jobs that replace them, if there are jobs that replace them, are quite different, yeah. you know. So we're talking like zero contracts and yeah. things like that, yeah. Precarious work, zero hours contract service economy. Um, and, and those communities didn't feel that Labour has an answer to that. I mean, that and that leads into Brexit. I think that's also part of the mm. root cause of Brexit. Um, the European migration, um, wage stagnation, all of those insecure employment, um, and that actually leaving the EU might bring back not the same. Nobody's saying we're going to re- reopen the coal mines, no, but, no. but new new industries that would replace those, and people would have those lives again. Um, although, you know, if you look at the, the demographic data. Actually, Labour did not lose that much vote in working age population. Mm-hmm. Its big loss of vote was in retired population. But I'm, they were thinking about the country in that historical arc. Absolutely. So, you know, so that was, that was a big thing. I think that our national organisation was very poor. And that's also maybe another reason I put the trend that our local organisation, Leeds North West, was the best I've ever seen in any election campaign yeah. ever. But our national organisation was poor. So, for instance, the one thing we relied on the National Party for was campaign, what's called campaign technology, okay. the systems that you use for your campaign. So one of them is, for instance, to, to um, create and deliver the free post, which is the one the Royal mm, Mail deliver. Yeah. So the National Labour Party took that on. We could have done it individually, but we trusted that they'd do it right. Um, the first one should have arrived before people received their postal votes. Uh-huh. So... A lot of people in my constituency, about I think about eight thousand. I have to look at the things. About eight thousand people voted by post. Not a single one of them received my free post, which mm. was targeted at postal voters. And that's particularly important in Leeds because Leeds, as a whole, not yeah. just your constituency, had the largest number of postal votes in the country. Yes, it was. It was a huge increase in postal votes. People in Leeds, Leeds are very wise, and they very wisely looked outside and of went. Twelfth of December is not a great time to be going out to the polling station, so we'll get a postal vote, yeah. which is great. But the National Labour Party let us down and everybody else down. Our um, communication arrived six days after the postal vote arrived. Yeah. I mean, we knew that that it might be late. They didn't tell us when it would arrive. We knew it might be late, so we put measures in place to help that. Extremely disappointing for your hardworking guys and girls on the the ground as well, though. Yeah, absolutely. And other bits of campaign technology failed. The system we used to phone people up for telephone canvassing went down at different points of the campaign. Lots of things went wrong. So the Labour Party's campaign technology didn't work. Its organisation was poor. Uh, its targeting was poor. Um, then, you know, I think I think this is this is a big area of contention within the party. Mm. Jeremy Corbyn wasn't popular on the doorstep with a lot of people. Yeah. And the older the people got, the less popular he became. Yeah. And it wasn't really, and people talk about leavers and remainers, he was unpopular with people, whether they voted leave or remain, whether they wanted to leave the EU or remain in the EU for different reasons. And they were a little bit more deeply held with leave voters than they were with remain voters. Remain voters were mainly angry about his position on Brexit. Yeah. Leave voters had had that, but they also had many other things. You know, I, I don't really want to go through another election ever in my life where people 
shout about the RA at me from the house and chase me out of the garden. You know, that is not a pleasant experience. No, it's been an ugly time. You know, and, and a lot of that, you know, um, is, is to do with his, with his history and the causes he supported. And, but to be honest, also is, you know, to an extent, the fact that the media concentrated on that for a long time. So it built yep. up that image in people's minds. Um, but, you know, the media is the media, media report. The media can't report something really that isn't there because then they'll have to go to court and pay out a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So they can only report what's there. And if you give the media a little chink, then they'll they'll yeah. utilise it. So, you know, so you have to be wise to that in politics. Um, and, and so we had to deal with that in the election. Um, and the other thing was the manifesto. Now, the manifesto had lots of good ideas in it. There's a lot of issues in the country, a lot of challenges that need to be overcome. And the manifesto had lots of answers to those challenges. But the problem was that if you put them all together, it, it, people didn't feel it was cohesive and didn't mm. feel it was deliverable, certainly not in one parliament. And there was not enough... Um, built, but, you know, so like one of the big ideas in the manifesto, which I think is a good idea, is that the that, that open reach have failed to deliver um, full fibre broadband, mm-hmm. 8% um, delivery in the UK. And so the Labour government wanted to deliver full fibre broadband right around the UK and, and equalise that and improve business productivity, which it would do, which I think nobody would disagree with, right? So the, the method of that is to bring it into public ownership. And because everybody's going to get full fibre and it's owned by the state, we were going to give away uh, basic broadband for free, basic, so, you know, so people who could not afford it could get it. Yeah. You know, on the basis of that, it sounds like a good idea. However, people didn't believe it was possible and nobody had been talking about it until it was announced by the Labour leadership in the election. Yeah, for a policy like that, you have to talk about it for two to three years. You have to have that argument. You need to have that public debate. You need to be on television and in the newspapers making the case for it um, and staring down, you know, the camera with James Cleverly, whoever, arguing the other side. Yeah. That's what we did on rail. The majority of people in this country are very supportive of bringing rail into public ownership, Right. And that's well, we've seen it in Yorkshire this week, haven't we, with how terrible the trains have yeah, been. Yeah, Northern Rail, I've been called July the 3rd in your newspaper. <laughs> that was the first time that I called for it, so I've been on right on that, that yeah. for quite a while. Um, but we've won that argument in the country, but we haven't won it on other things. Yeah. And we, hadn't, we didn't even make it on broadband, and you can't do that. So you your, your, that. your colleague Clive Lewis, in launching his leadership yeah. bid this week, has said that he didn't feel that the manifesto created a overall vision for no. what the country would be like under under yeah. the Labour government. And he said that, you know, arguably the Tories had done that quite well. Is that is that something that you agree with, that Absolutely. the policies didn't join together? The policies didn't join together. It didn't tell her, it, well, there was no story, mm-hmm. there's no narrative. People need, during an election campaign, to be able to imagine in their minds a country that's created by the next government. The best example of this is Clement Attlee in 1945. Mm-hmm. Clement Attlee create a vision in people's heads of what a post-war government would do for them and their families and the country. Yeah. And we, this obviously has not been a war, but this big um, change in the country, this big shift in the country, a big challenge in the country, and we did not do do that. And that is our challenge for the next election. Yeah. We need to be able to do that. The Tories had a very simple message. They wanted to get Brexit done. They also had... Um, they all, you know, they also had uh, a, a range of policies, which actually a lot of them um, aren't things that I disagree with. I just don't think they go far enough and I don't think they would meet the challenges the country has. Okay. But they would, some of them would improve things. It's a mixed bag, but people understood that they were deliverable. Yeah. 
You know, people didn't go, oh, I don't think Boris... I mean, the most, the most difficult thing he has to deliver is, is probably a, a free trade agreement with the EU. Yes. All the other things are, are deliverable. Could probably get yeah. done. Yeah. yeah, probably get Especially done. Especially with a know. majority now, like it has. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, but I mean, I don't so much mean here. I mean, that I don't think, I don't think when you've got majority government, parliament's a problem for you. Whitehall and um, deliveries, that's yes. the issue. But right. I don't think there's things that he said that, that, that they're going to do that, that, that they'll struggle to deliver um, in terms of infrastructure. So in which case, what, what you know, it's going to be a hard-fought battle for Labour over the next five, ten yeah. years now. What what does your party need to do to get that footing back? What would you like to see, I guess, next year, but also in the future? I think we need to be much more rooted in communities. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, um, that communities won't... Um, see the sort of improvements that they need. They feel they might feel that they've um, been promised things that won't be delivered. Um, and I think it's important that that lay- also there's, there's an issue of resilience. You know, we need community resilient. Um, I've got parts of my constituency that are like that, and every constituency in the country that either has a Labour MP or had a Labour MP before probably. A lot of the constituents, your parts constituent like that. The Labour Party as a party, not about an MP or an individual, but as a collective. We are still by far the largest party in mm-hmm. this country and we are gro- our membership is hugely growing again, which is always what happens after we lose an election um, and sometimes after we win one as well. Um, uh, grows and those people, if they want to see a Labour government, need to get in, get involved with us. Uh, not so much on social media or by going and chatting to their friends, but actually in the community. And we need to show real practical action what Labour is. But we also need to, to have a much deeper analysis of, of what the country needs and then how we're going to deliver it, not at a macro scale, but at a micro scale, at a town, at a community level. To under, so to be able to tell people, this is where the new jobs are going to come from. This is what where the new housing is going to go and who's going to get it. Um, and this is where the new schools are going to go uh, and and all those other things and work where we've got Labour councils work with them, where we've got Labour mayors work with them and where we haven't really, really dig into the communities. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that if we don't do that, if we are a party in the air rather than on the ground, then I don't think we'll win the next election. No. And is there anyone in the leadership race yet that you think will deliver that or are you waiting to see who who comes out of the woodwork yet i think i think um there may be more than one person can deliver that mm-hmm. um but i think they need to pitch i think actually the most important thing about this leadership race isn't to give away your support too easily it's a mistake actually in previous leaderships that mps give away their support too easily um and it's like a beauty contest mm-hmm. this isn't a beauty contest this is about the future of our country um, and there's lots of different things that people need to think about um, and they need the leadership candidate step up to the plate. My challenge is they all need to get better and they all need to be able to offer more um, of themselves and of their vision. And then the person that, I mean, you know, we've got to make a decision nomination quite quickly. I think actually, you know, my reflection on this is that lots of MPs might make a nomination to get somebody into the race who they may not end up supporting at the end. Oh, I see. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Well, we'll see how it plays out over the next couple of weeks. Alex, thanks so much okay, for joining thank me. Thank you. All right. Okay. Thank you so much for joining us today. Do make sure you like, subscribe and share. Make sure you leave us a review. And we're really glad to have you.
The Masters on Sky Sports, now half price for six months. Witness all four unmissable days live from Augusta. It's one of the grand theatres of the sporting world. Oh, what a shot! You couldn't script this for a Hollywood movie. The best place to watch all four days of the Masters live. To join or upgrade and get Sky Sports half price for six months, search Sky Sports Golf. New sports customers only. Standard pricing applies after six months. Further terms apply.